Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern Ned Reynolds back in the studio on a Monday morning. It seems like we just did this. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, Joe's not here. Either way, uh, great game for the Chiefs in Tampa Bay last night. Uh, came out and looked like themselves. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's offense has not been super good, but their defense is arguably one of the best, especially in the NFC. In my wasn't opinion. last night. They definitely weren't last night. But but again, you know, the Chiefs are one of the best offenses. They weren't in Indianapolis, so stuff happens. There's thought, a couple of uh, formulas to think about here. Yes, that was as close to perfection as Kansas City can play. They look like a Super Bowl championship team last night when they are in gear. You might remember that early on yesterday, we said the team that gets ahead in this ballgame, especially if it's the Chiefs, are really in for a big night, and it was. 42 seconds into the game, Kansas City scores on a turnover. You cannot have that against this team. Why? Because it gives Mahomes free reign. He can do whatever he wants back there. Your defenses are going to be at a premium. And even as good as Tampa Bay's defense allegedly was, they could not stop him last night. Now, (laughs) I find this to be an interesting set of circumstances here in, in regards to the numbers. Kansas City, which is not a big rushing team, ran the ball for 189 yards. That's that's huge for Kansas City. Uh, Edward Solaire had a big night. So did some of the others. New England, I said New England, Tampa Bay ran the ball six times. Yeah, they after Total they abandoned of six it. times. Yeah. Three times for Leonard Fournette and three times for Rashad White, and they ran for a total of three yards. Now think about that. That is your game total. Why did that happen? Because Tampa Bay had to play from behind. You can't get behind with Kansas City. So, in all honesty, I thought Tom Brady had a pretty good night. He, he threw 39, made 39 completions in 52 attempts and had uh, well over 300, 385 yards in passing. But that's not going to get it. Not when you're playing Kansas City. It's a dink and dunk offense that Brady has. And yes, he can make it work. I thought he did a pretty good job of slicing up the defensive backfield of Kansas City. But they were prepared for that. They weren't allowed to let or weren't really set to allow any kind of long strikes of any sort. So from that aspect of things, I thought that Tampa Bay played a a pretty good job offensively. But when you're behind, you're in real trouble. The star of the show is Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely sensational. One of the best performances he's had. He scrambled. You know, Mike, I, I worry a little bit about that. Now, he's done that for six years now. Done the same thing, being flushed out of the pocket and scrambling and making big plays and all that. How long can that continue, though? Well, let's hope forever, Ned. Let's, not, know, let's not talk too much about it. six years old. He can still do a lot of things physically. He's a big guy. But I worry about him because somewhere along the line, something's going to happen. God forbid. Anyway, the Chiefs, I thought, played as spectacular football as they could possibly do it. That's a big win for them over Tampa Bay. Have the Raiders coming up. Raiders got their first win of the year. They did. But over and above all of that, I thought the Chiefs played remarkably good football. I was very impressed with it. You know, we're not right very often, but I'll tell you right now, you should have been listening to Ned and I yesterday when we told you to take the over because the Chiefs almost hit the uh, <laughs> the over-under all, on their own. All of the pundits, yeah. all the national pundits said, no, this is going to be a low-scoring yep, game. Defense is no. And you could tell that right from the mm-hmm. start because Kansas City had a really succinct offensive plan if they were to get ahead. And yes, they got ahead and they made it work. What they did was burn the clock by running the ball. I thought Edward Solaire had a pretty doggone good night. Tampa Bay's defense, 
They're good. They're very good. But they also tackled poorly last night, I thought. They were going after, well, what they were trying to do is punch the ball. Yeah, first. they were trying. They were all about turnovers and yesterday. That was, that was from the get-go, yeah. and you can't do that. You've got to play solid, rock'em football, go low, make your tackles, make your stops and all that. But they didn't do that. They were trying for turnovers because they panicked getting behind the way they did and could not recover. 41-31 is the final score in favor of the Tampa... <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday morning, folks. Favor of the Kansas City Chiefs in a very good and solid performance. And we're sober, which is the funny thing. Uh, big <laughs> congratulations to Patrick Mahomes, fastest QB to get to 20,000 passing yards. Uh, he did it in 67 games. Previous record was Stafford at 71. But big congratulations to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey top five receiving yards for a tight end in NFL history, knocking Gronk out of the top five, Do which I love. Do not understand the defensive scheme against Kelsey and why he isn't being shadowed by somebody in the defensive backfield. Maybe that's because it takes away from their linebacking core. But I would think the way to defense him is to put one man on him, shadow him, knock him out of position in the first four yards, which you can do, and um, then make him ad lib. Now, he's pretty good at ad-libbing, even for a, a big guy, and he is. He's very good. He's pretty mobile for a guy that size. But you can take a player out of action doing that. Playing enough football to know that. But over and above that, they don't do it. They let him run free out there and make his patterns across the middle. That first touchdown pass that Mahomes had, that was a simple slant pattern. A very simple slant pattern over the middle. Got it, broke a tackle, goes in for the touchdown. 42 seconds into the game. Boy, your spirit diminishes oh, very yeah. quickly when that happens. It does. It's the look. I mean, they're putting three tight ends out there. you mm-hmm. got to cover somebody, and if you don't cover everybody, someone's going to be gone. So you can't – I mean, it's tough. And I think it, they've gotten a lot smarter about what they're showing defenses. Unfortunately, the way this league works by the you know, halfway point of the season – Everyone's going to probably have it figured out, but we'll see. You make a very good point, too, because this is only game number four. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've got a big one with the Raiders coming up. I don't think the Raiders are all that good. They were supposed to be, but Derek Carr is hes a journeyman quarterback. He's been with his team all along. Journeyman's not an insult, folks. He is just not one of these spectacular quarterbacks like Mahomes who's going to scramble out of the pocket and run all over the ballpark and all that sort of thing. Uh, but Carr can't do that. So I can see the Chiefs defense really putting a big scheme on him and taking him right out of the mix. A lot of pressures. And that would um, that would put the pressure on Josh Jacobs to do the running on this team, and I'm not sure you can run on Kansas City. Um, I said it all preseason. Raiders fans, hold your ears for a second. When I was talking about how the AFC West, as far as QBs, was loaded up a lot like the AFC East was with Marino Kelly, Bloodsoe, and uh, Asias and all in that one division. I said, you know, the AFC's looking like that now, with the exception of one quarterback, and that's Derek Carr. Well, well, no, he's no. I said, no, no, no. He's got all these weapons this year now. Look at what he has. They got arguably one of the best receivers in football. They're one and three. So I'm not eating crow, and it proves my point. <laughs> okay, Raiders fans, you can take your hands off the ears now. Part of that is because their offensive line is not constructed the way it should have been, and that really does surprise me a little bit. However, I'm going to go back to the original thought that we had, and we voiced this also on yesterday's show. These teams had three exhibition games. That's one more than I think they should have that two. But three, and this is a very short amount of time that they've come down to that three scheme, that's taking away a little bit from your timing. 
And as a result, I'm not sure that Las Vegas had the timing in there at the very start. Of course, the same, it's for all teams. But the fact remains that the Raiders don't seem to be in sync as such. They were yesterday against Denver, but the Broncos are not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. At least they aren't now. When Las Vegas comes into Kansas City next week, they'll be ready. But I don't think personnel-wise they are anywhere near set to be able to challenge the Chiefs on a Monday night. Um, post-game interview, Kelsey said, you know, this week, obviously, we went in with a whole new mindset because of what happened in Indianapolis. But it was the attention to detail. And so the Cardinals had a sellout. Three games over the weekend in St. Louis I heard was just unbelievable. The weather was gorgeous. I was hearing there were people from all over the country flying in to see those games because it was a farewell tour to a really the end of an era. And, you know, I'm hearing a lot over and over and over again. And I felt this way, too. It's a lot feels a lot like uh, a 2011 season. You know what I mean? With what all the stories that have happened this year, what we've got, how they've played. It, it's, it's exciting to be a Cardinals fan Well, right except that in 2011, the Cardinals limped in as a wild card team, and, and really they're doing a little bit better than that right now. However, having said all that, it was a class move by manager Marmol from the, uh, in the fourth inning. Took everybody out in the fifth. And now Wainwright was going to come out anyway because he wasn't pitching very well. Gave up four runs and six hits to the Pittsburgh Pirates in four innings, so he was going to get Derek anyway. But they used that time to take all three of them, Molina, Pujols, and Wainwright, out of the game at the same time, and the crowd went nuts, as you would expect them to. That's a really top-level move by the Cardinals and by the manager, although I think he was probably dictated to do that by the front office. Anyway, the Pirates win that game 7-5. Now, that's the final regular season game uh, at Bush Stadium, that is. Now, the Cardinals and Pirates move over to Pittsburgh for the final three games of the regular season. And the only thing that's really of mystique here is, does Pujols get another home run or another couple of home runs? He has 702. He thrilled the fans yesterday with a home run into center field. Can he get another one? Otherwise, the season comes to an end Wednesday afternoon. But then the Cardinals go back to Bush Stadium to play again. And they will play at this point, as we speak, it would be the Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia leads the Milwaukee Brewers in the wild card run by two games with three to play. Knowing Philadelphia, that's not solid. (laughs) Furthermore, the Phillies are in Texas to play the Houston Astros for these final three games, and folks, Houston is a load. As a matter of fact, there are many who think that Houston is flying under the radar and will be in the World Series, and yes, they are that good. I believe the Brewers are playing the Diamondbacks, if I'm not mistaken, but regardless of that, one loss from Milwaukee or one win for Philadelphia, and it's all over. Yeah, it's going to be hard not to win at least one out of you a series. Think. You would think. It's a lot harder than what Milwaukee's got to do, I'll tell you that. But I remember what you said yesterday, and I'm not even going to bring it up because it seemed like you were scarred by that early childhood memory with that's, the Phillies. That's 60 years ago, <laughs> and yes, I still, still walk around with trepidation. He, he, he still, oh, my God, what did they do? He still wakes <laughs> up in cold sweats from that night. All right, um, let's talk about college football. I mentioned a little bit about this yesterday in Ned Talk. Um, but again, uh, Saturday night, um, I had some friends over and my buddy just whips his phone out and he goes, are you watching this Mizzou game? I can't believe they're leading. And I was like, I didn't even know. Th- I wasn't even going to try. I saw they were playing Georgia. I was like, well, I'm definitely not watching that one. And they led that entire game, but eventually just got gassed. Entire game until the end. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't. But that says something to me about the motivation of the Missouri Tigers. They have... 
They, boy, they got shelled by Kansas State when they played over there in Manhattan. K-State's good, but my goodness, to blow Missouri out of the ballpark the way they did. And then there are other games against Abilene Christian and people of that caliber. Well, do you get ready? Well, Drinkwitz, their coach, probably had them ready. He says, look, this is the number one team in America coming in. The Georgia Bulldogs, they're big, they're tough. You guys are just as good. Get out there and play. And they, I think they bought into that theory and went out. Georgia, Georgia was down. They weren't playing very well at all at the very start until it became evident that they were in trouble. And then they did play well. Georgia has a very nice football team. When they had to turn it on, I think the score at one time was 16-3, to if I remember correctly, in favor of Missouri. But when Georgia had to turn it on, they did, and came back in the second half and won it 26-22. But to me, that tells, tells this reporter what Mizzou can do if they are ready to play. And therein might be the problem. Are they ready to play every time they go out? This week, they go down to the Swamp in Gainesville, Florida. That's what they call the stadium down there, the Swamp, and play the Florida Gators. Florida is nowhere near as good as Georgia, but Florida is big. They are tough. They are a strong football program. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as Georgia or Alabama this year. Missouri can win this game, Mm -hmm. and it is a believe late Saturday morning game, if I'm not mistaken, in Gainesville. So uh, we'll see how Missouri gets prepared for this and what their mental aspect of things is. Now, speaking of mental aspect, I do worry a little bit about the Missouri State Bears because they have now lost three straight games. A lot of hype. They will probably drop out of uh, certainly the upper tier of the national rankings this week after that 48-31 loss to North Dakota. Well, the defense is giving up an awful lot of yardage and an awful lot of points. And I know that Coach Petrino has to be very concerned about that. His team had a 21-10 lead toward the end of the first half and let it get away. It was 21-20 at the end of the half as North Dakota came back. But this is a North Dakota team that the Bears played. Not as big as the Bears, but quick. Very quick with a lot of brush blocks. And the defensive scheme was simply taken apart by the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. They did a very good job. They're well coached. Bubba Schweiger, who's a former SIU coach, is the head man up at North Dakota. And they devised a plan that really kind of stymied uh, Missouri State. Missouri State's offense is still pretty doggone good. Anytime you have a Jason Shelley at quarterback, you're going to be a good team. But again, just like the opponent's of the Kansas City Chiefs. You can't fall behind by too much and expect to come back every time. The Bears were great in that football game Saturday between the 20-yard lines. Down in the red zone, they weren't so great, and that cost them. And that's the difference between winning and losing. Uh, What do you think about Wisconsin firing their coach? Well, Wisconsin and Colorado. Yeah. They both canned their coaches within two hours of each other. In the case of Paul Christ, Wisconsin has completely underachieved this season. Uh, Ohio State blew them out last week, and that didn't register very well. And now Illinois yeah. and the former Wisconsin coach, Bielema, go to Madison and beat him. Oh, <laughs> Silence that town. And, and that was a that was a beatdown. And Wisconsin, I can see the Wisconsin hierarchy. This can't happen. You're out. Now, I don't think the firing came on the field as it did with Herm Edwards at Arizona State, which was totally classless in my opinion. But... Nonetheless, Wisconsin's out. 
Colorado under Carl Durrell is 0-5 to start the year. Now that's a Pac-12 team, and the Pac-12 ain't that good, folks. UCLA and Southern Cal are, but everybody else is beatable, and Colorado hasn't beaten anybody. So he's gone. Two coaches in the space of about two and a half or three hours. It says something about college football. You know know what it says? It's a big business. And if you're not going to produce, you're G-O-N-E right now. That's how important college football is to the economic scheme of things in uh, college athletics and in the college hierarchy as well. And the alumni has a pretty big voice when it comes (laughs) to who they want coaching their team. We'll see. Uh, Last but not least, as we mentioned earlier, Pujols hit 702, ties him with the Babe. You think he's going to pull one more out in the final series? The RBI's total that he's tied with the Babe. Babe had 714 career home runs. Albert's obviously not going to match that. I predicted 703. In this three-game series, I think he gets at least one. And who knows more? Now, in the postseason, which doesn't count in the records as such, in the regular season records, that is, uh, Albert's going to be in there. They're going to have him batting against whomever, and I don't think it's going to be a platoon. I think they will put him in even against right-handers because Pujols is hitting the ball in dynamite fashion. He's playing very well. Uh, I think he gets a homer or two in Pittsburgh. These games don't mean anything at all. They're they're playing out the schedule. Is what Practices for Friday. Same with Royals against the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> and Royals went to Cleveland on Friday to play the Guardians, and that's where they finished their home season and their road season in Cleveland. It's the way the schedule was convoluted this year. But over and above that, it's uh, St. Louis. I'm I'm thinking right now probably going to be Philadelphia, although nothing is guaranteed. That's a best of three, and it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all games, and the third one if necessary in St. Louis. That's a good thing for the Cardinals, Ned. You have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow.